Mark Polisco, I've finally caught you. You've been so busy lately. <laughs> it has. It's been crazy. It's been a busy spring. So, yeah, nearly the end of the year already. Crazy. I know. So what's been keeping you busy? Oh, deals mainly, which is, which is, which is really good. So there was one down, the big one struck down your way this week, actually, in Portsea. Uh, Rob Curtin from Sotheby, he listed this uh, $22 million house late last week and uh, sold within four days. So that's certainly a good sign when, when $22 million plus houses are selling within four days. So um, that's actually, that's not, that isn't the record for Portsea, which is $26 million, but um, there was a record set in Blairgarry couple of weeks ago as well, which we reported. So um, the house at one for three Head Street sold for uh, just over $3 million. So that actually set a new price record for there. And on the other side, the uh, Polo Bay as well, the agents have recorded a new record price. Uh, a house in Knoll Street sold for $1.48 million, um, which uh, smashes the last three records in Apollo Bay, which have all been in that street. So, uh, yeah. Nice Amazing. Spot, I think perhaps uh, the sudden hurry is that uh, they hope to settle and uh, maybe get in by Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Definitely, definitely. Or And before it even starts booming more, it does seem to have a bit of a feel that the summer's going to be pretty good for, for, for agents and journalists. Yeah. Let's go back to the $22 million one in Portsea. I mean, you know, that's a huge amount to pay for, say, a holiday home. Who bought it? Uh, we don't know who bought it yet. That's only, well, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll let you know when we have a, another one of our chats. But who sold it was Zenith Interiors founder, John Fisher and his wife, Jenny. So it's actually a contemporary house. Um, and that's what made it rare, according to the sales agent. It's rare that you have a, a Port Sea Clifftop house, which is, which is uh, seven years old. So um, it's built in Hampton style. It's a beautiful big property. And what, what, what the vendors did is about uh, a few years ago, they acquired the neighbouring block. And they turned that into a tennis court and a gazebo and they extended their garden. So it is kind of two adjoining lots. But uh, still, when it hit the market, it was 20 to 22 million. For it to sell after four days, a couple of agents down there have said that it would have been 22 million or more. They're going to be celebrating at Christmas. <laughs> four days, wow. Mm. Um, now, you mentioned also Blair Gary, that record price. Prices have been going up in that um, Blair Gary pocket, though, uh, recently. So that's really interesting to um, know that that's that record. Yeah, definitely. There's a big step going from Blair Gary to Sorrento. So um, uh, $3 million. I Sometimes when I was writing this story, I was wondering what it would be worth if it was a 4,500 square metre block on the Sorrento side with that kind of view. But uh, I definitely agree. So I think that probably over the next cycle or two, we'll start seeing Blair Gowrie become the next, a bit more exclusive, I think. Now, while we're um, talking about this area, the Conti, (laughs) (laughs) because uh, it is the talking point. And um, what's the latest that you've heard that's uh, happening with the Conti Hotel? Yeah, well, following the um, the marketing campaign, it was said to have sold uh, to LBA Capital, but uh, that deal is possibly falling over. So we don't know exactly know what's happening. It could be back to square one. Uh, in terms of a new marketing campaign, or it could be that uh, Colliers are speaking to some of the underbidders or seeing what other options are there. So Julian Gurn has been pretty good in terms of, 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 of updating of updating all journalists and what's happening. But uh, yeah, the LBA deal, which was reported a month ago, fell over pretty soon after that. So we don't know what's happening there. It's still a big hole in the ground. It's interesting, though, because, uh, you know, with the campaign, uh, it was like, oh, there's so many people interested. We've had lots of interest. Yep. Yet to go with LBA and um, that falling over or nearly falling over, um, yep. you know, where's the other interest? Yeah, exactly. And where's the underbidders now, too? Yep. Like, you would think that if it was such a popular one, that, that would be the case. It's a really tricky one because I think the site's popular, but there's so many question marks about what the cost to complete it will be. So... 
I don't know. It's, I think it would. It's one of those cases. If I was back in agency, I, I'd tell the vendor it would. It is going to take a little bit of time to conclude. It's not a straightforward one. But um, I still think there's some interest there. It is a, it is a, a great spot. Um, but it's just trying to get someone to take on that that risk. So. Yeah. And um, the Sorrento Watchers, that's uh, the local Facebook group. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> usually you can get your updates on what's happening there, whether it's uh, fact or fiction. Uh, yeah, no, well, they're, 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 they're not very happy from what I've read about no. it. That's an expense. It's now been, they been nearly... It is yeah. on the Heritage Register, so therefore... Uh, it's more restrictive and it's more expensive to build. You've got to stick to a lot. You can't do as much. Um, you know, I think sometimes they can go to be as specific as the kind of paint colours you use or the kind of fixtures that you use. So it is expensive in that regard. Um, it would be probably more expensive if it was knocked down if it's the big block of land. But what I'm thinking is that maybe maybe the permit's not the right kind of permit. Maybe it should be a bit more apartments and a bit less, you know, wellness centre type stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that might be the answer is that um, if there's some flexibility at the site and maybe make a bit more money in some parts of it, then maybe it's a bit more attractive. That's interesting, um, so, yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of, um, you know, still retail for lease in the main yeah. street of Sorrento and uh, another thing yeah. is, you know, not another dress shop, not another coffee shop. So it's that diversity that, that really sort of isn't there, the offering. and uh, That's probably- right, and the timing. I mean, I, I imagine Sorrento has the same problem that Phil Highland had when I lived there for six years and that's the fact that winter comes along and it's just not as much people, not, not as many not as much spending um, so Sorrento is a bit different. It's popular a lot more of the year, but I still think that the spending will be a lot less at that time. So it's, it's yeah. yeah. If you have a wellness centre and restaurants uh, competing for fewer customers in the middle of winter, especially when you've got um, the springs, um, you know, just what ten minutes up the road. Yeah, there's a lot of comp- a lot of competition. Exactly, exactly. And you've got Airbnbs competing as well. So it's um, yeah, hospitality. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure about that. Then there seems to be a lot of options. Now um, let's get back to your sales and your busyness. <laughs> and um, so, uh, what else has been happening? Uh, well, there's been a few sales. I've tried. It's actually been a bit happening. Uh, interstate. I've tried to cover a few more non-Victorian deals this week, but it has still been primarily Victorian. But Clive Palmer, oh, a politician and businessman. <laughs> yep, he's um, he bought a property auction last week. He turned up to the auction and um, and, and bid against I think it was uh, eight other people or seven other people. So he bought the uh, it's called the Queensland Building. It's a historic building in central or just just north of Central Townsville um, on Ross Creek. So the rumor is that he's going to try and use that as the headquarters for Queensland Nickel, which he's trying to uh, reopen after um, it went into liquidation a couple of years ago. So we'll see what's happening there. But it's an interesting three-level building. Um, it's got a two-bedroom apartment in there and a ground-floor retail. Um, so, yeah, he's moving, he's coming, he might be moving to Townsville, his new business. <laughs> and go over to Magnetic Island in the tow races. <laughs> <laughs> and call him. He's got a few up there. So, yeah. Well, so did Clive Palmer actually show up himself to bid at the auction? Yes, he did. Yeah, that's, and Collier's Collier sent over an email, a photograph of him signing the contract at the end of it. So <laughs> only in Queensland, I'd love that that someone like that can just turn up to an auction and just have a coffee at the end of it. I don't know if that would happen in Melbourne or Sydney, um, but no, he bought it and he paid well over. I think I think that's well over expectation. It was eight registered bidders, so um, it's, a good, it's a good spot. It's a trophy building. He can't do anything with it. He can't extend it, but um, but he can, it's a trophy. He can always walk past it. So you'll watch that space and, so, and um, right. keep us informed. Yeah, I don't know whether he's going to move. I don't know whether it's just PR saying that he's going to move Queensland Nickel in there or, or not. But uh, either way, it's an investment. You'll rent. So 
What I also did read um, in one of your columns this week, coming back locally to Hawthorne Zagami. Yes, yeah, well, we've reported a bit about Zagami this, this year. You, you and I have talked about them a bit. Mm. So what they've been doing in, um, in Hawthorne, there's this an office building that went up for sale. It's leased to Swinburne University. And it, it's uh, adjacent to two other uh, offices that Zagami own. And then last month, Zagami bought, or the rumour is that Zagami's bought a third office. Uh, as, and then this week it was reported that they bought the Swinburne office. So what they've done now is, is um, create an L-shaped supersite um, of four properties. So they've been quietly buy, buying that up. So now they've got almost 8,200 square metres in Hawthorne. That's a, uh, that, that, that site would be worth $100 million if it was to be put to the market. So we'll have to watch what's going to happen in, uh, in Hawthorne in a couple of years' time. They're going to be probably be proposing some kind of mixed-use project with apartments. That's yeah. really close to the train station and also, of course, Glenferry Road. Yeah, that's right. It's right in the, it's right in the heart of Hawthorne. Um, the unfortunate thing is that it also backs onto a really beautiful street in Hawthorne called Manning Tree Road, which is oh, revered yes. for its quietness and its and and, uh, and all the rest of it. So now, a lot of the houses on the north side on one on one block are going to be facing this uh, potential large development site. Uh, but it is it's right it's right near Glenferry Road and, and Swinburne University. It's, it's a great little vibrant spot. But it's pretty smart that they've acquired two little two small warehouses and two large offices and. Um, create this big L-shaped spot. So if you own another property adjoining that, that portfolio, you can probably name your price now. So how long do you think it'll take for them to, you know, get up and running or get plans or we'll know what's going on? Uh, well, it'll be at least five years because the Swinburne building that they've just bought was um, offered with a new five-year lease, to, swim, uh, new five-year lease to the university. And one of the other buildings they're looking at buying also had a five-year lease. So we'll be looking at about 2024. So if they decide to go ahead and, and do one big project, there will be at least five years away. It could just be a passive investment, but um, it's, it's now going to become a very valuable site just to hold on to and keep with small offices. So I think they should make the most of it at about that time. So they might get the next property cycle. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, you know. we have uh, mentioned Zagami before, so it's been a busy year. What Just read yeah. on the other things they've done. <laughs> Yeah, up and down for Zagami. They own the um, the Caulfield East office that uh, Stella had as its headquarters. And then Stella, of course, went in to, when went broke early this year, so the building went up for lease. So the city of Glen Iroh has just committed to all of that building, which is um, which is really good news for them. So it used to be occupied by Glenville Homes. It's on um, Dandenong Road. It's a pretty prominent building. Um, so the city of Glen Iroh has now leased all of that from Zagami Corporation. On the other side of town, but, um, you and I have talked about Zagami. They've been refurbishing um, the old Australian Education Union Victorian headquarters on, um, in Abbotsford, and they've just turned that into an office. And the rumour or something I've reported this week exclusively is that Nando's is committing to about 1,200 square metres of that, which is about a quarter of the building. So um, Nando's is moving into Abbotsford on the banks of the river. So, yeah, they, they've, done, they've done pretty well. Is that near where the Caden headquarters is? Ah, uh, yes, it is. Caden headquarters is on uh, four three six Johnson Street, I think. So yeah, Trenary Crescent just runs off that. Trenary Crescent um, it backs onto the Yarra River, to the Yarra River, and it looks over Dykes Falls. It's a pretty nice spot. So yeah, they bought that last. Oh, they bought that earlier this year from the from the union, and the rumor was they might have turned it into a hotel. They've refurbished it as an office, and it looks like um, they've had some leasing success for it already. So. Just uh, fill me in, Zagami, the actual family, you know, who's who in it? Because you see it up on, you know, pubs, restaurants, um, real Yeah, you do. Cars. And there's two, that's right. And there's sort of two different two different family members that run two different businesses. So Zagami Corporation is not the car Zagami. That's run by another family member, but that's a different division altogether. So the Zagami Cars, which um, 
which bought the age printing press up in West Meadows a couple of years ago, and, and they've replaced the age that big age um, public art with uh, big Zagani's logo. So that's the car making brand. Zagani Corporation is the one that you and I have been talking about most of this year. So they're the ones who have just bought this um, Hawthorne Super Site. They're the ones who own the, um, the, the the hospitality premises, all the pubs, and um, and they're, they're the main and they're the main ones. So it was established in 1971 by Victor Zagani Senior. Uh, he bought a pub in Northcote and he started up his empire. He died in 2017 and now it's run by his sons, Victor Jr. and Robert. They're both pretty private, but um, but they do own some high-profile real estate. So, From um, Hawthorne, let's go uh, back to the CBD and 101 Collins Street. Yeah, this is a little point. bit similar to what Zagami's actually done. So 101 Collins Street is um, considered Melbourne's most exclusive office building. Uh, it's a, I worked there 20 years ago. It's pretty Pretty beautiful, and what the owners now, uh, Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, um, which is uh, the government, has been um, quietly buying up sites around the bottom, around the, around 101 Collins Street, to prevent uh, future owners from developing into the airspace and blocking the views. So one happened a couple of weeks ago. They bought a little strata suite within a building called 55 Exhibition Street, and by doing that, they were able to block the other owners from to try and block the other owners from developing the site or selling the site. So they've got an interest in there now. And they also bought another building at 45 Exhibition Street a couple of months ago, um, 27.5 million. That was also marketed for its potential to be built up. So if that built up, it would have blocked um, views over to over to the Yarra River and the Botanic Gardens in the building. So they've spent 30, uh, yeah, so they've spent 32.25 million over the last couple of months just buying, just buying, buying some view security. We'll all come back to them. When they do their reviews, they'll be able to tell the clients even on the lower levels, you'll have this view for the whole time. Um, they did it a couple of years ago under a previous owner. They bought the Rosati restaurant, which backs onto 101 Collins Street, and it was where um, uh, they had this beautiful mosaic floor and Kylie Minogue used to make film clips there. But, yeah, they bought that building and they put a cave in or they put a, a restriction on it so that, uh, that no one can build into the airspace and then they sold it again. So uh, they obviously... So that, that little corner of, of Collins Street will be low-rise for the foreseeable future. It's interesting because you said the airspace and when they go for rents and things like that, it does make a difference. Um, I was at uh, Level 20 at Botanic in Coventry Street, um, South Bank, South um, for Evolve yeah. this week because that uh, is to be completed next year. And I suppose you're used to being up in the apartments in the CBD and you're looking out into other apartments, but you looked over the Botanic Gardens, um, you looked over, you could see the city there. It was just... You know, it felt so open because, yeah. of course, that's um, they've secured the air rights to the building next door, but also, oh. you know, um, the barracks across the road aren't going to be built any higher. No. So it's just, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. View security, it's a, it's a pretty good thing. And I, and I agree with you. It's, um, it, it can, you can check. I, 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 I get lost in aspects. Sometimes I go to visit some of these agencies and they've got great views and I could just be staring at them for half an hour. So... Um, that's one thing, but a view, as I've always reported, a view is a privilege, not a right, especially in Melbourne. You can't bank on it being around forever. Uh, Colliers this week has listed a site, uh, uh, rail yards pretty much, I think, in front of um, in front of Flinders Street. So nobody ever in, would, would have thought that would have been replaced with, with buildings. And then, then Colliers ads have got three big buildings on there. So, yeah, you'd never really be 100% too sure. But I guess in front of the barracks, they've been standing there for a long time, so they're pretty safe. But yeah, I agree with you. A nice view. I could live in a place with a nice view, but it's, it's, it's yeah, it's a bit risky with some some with Melbourne booming the way it is. 
Mark, going back to 101 Collins Street, though, um, there was sort of a bit of uh, misreporting. Yeah, well, a bit, a bit of uh, a bit of shady reporting, I guess. I think one, I think the owners of One Hundred One Collins Street were trying to hide that they're doing this. Um, so uh, when these, um, the the Forty Five Exhibition Street sold a couple of months ago, it was wrongly reported that it was acquired by a private developer called David Hodge. He put a caveat on the property, but in fact, when it came time to settle, it settled over to the owners of One Hundred One Collins Street. So on last Saturday. It was reported that that same buyer, David Hodgson, acquired the 45 Exhibition Street Strata office. And, uh, yeah, I got woken up by about half a dozen text messages before 7 o'clock, people letting me know that that was incorrect, um, or could be incorrect, and that it was actually 101 Cobham Street behind it. So uh, the, the, the other paper followed it up a couple of days later as well. But, yeah, that's no, very, very interesting. I mean, obviously, if you're trying to be strategic and buy as many sites around the area and not pay too much, you try and hide your identity. But uh, not anymore after after our items. Now the state government made an election promise regarding um, three-year-old kindergarten, and uh, it's sent a lot of uh, areas in a spin because uh, you know we need to have the capacity to educate uh, and fulfil that election promise of the three-year-olds going to kinder. And um, it seems to have fallen in as far as childcare goes. There's a few going up. I know, for example, say Gloryland will be moving into the yet-to-be-built sector site in um, Mitchin in Semler Street. Oh, Mitchin. yeah, which and sold a couple of yes, weeks ago, I yeah, think. Yeah, so an Asian investor bought that. Um, what was it? You reported it. You had that exclusively. I think it was $7.1 million? Pretty, yeah, I think it was, I think, yeah, that, that was the price. So for an, an off-the-plan childcare centre, and it's not the first one either. So... Um, from what I understand, they can't build them quick enough in some parts. This is a really undersupplied sector in, in a lot of areas. Because um, um, Gloryland lease, have leased it, I think it's on a 15-year deal yeah. and then two options of two more 10 years. So obviously Jeez. that would have been appealing to the buyer. Yeah, absolutely. To get back in, yeah, there's not many investments that you can have a 15, I mean, not an office building or a little mini shopping centre. You don't get that kind of um, tenant security. So... I, I agree. They are, they are pretty good, and um, just the fact that the lifestyles changed. Like there's a lot more people using it nowadays. So, um, what happened this week, this this or this month, which is interesting, is Richard Ellis has, released, has um, listed a portfolio of seven properties. It's Australia's biggest ever childcare portfolio, and it's all owned by the one person who's also a childcare uh, operator. Um, so they're in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane. 150 million plus if all of them sell. And what's interesting is that three of them, uh, so the, rec the record price for a childcare centre investment in Australia was $21 million. It was paid last year in Sydney, in Artiman. And three of the properties in this portfolio that have just been listed for sale this week or this month um, are going to are expected to surpass that, uh, including one in Brisbane, which will be the $35 million. So $35 million for a childcare centre, that's <laughs> a shopping centre or a small office building. Um, and again, it had the long, it's got the long lease and... Um, and things like big car, big, big car parks and inconvenient locations. So, you know, someone who buys this will, will have generations of security. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Now, it feels like we're going back to Glen Ferry Road, though. Um, <laughs> well, one of them is in Glen Ferry Road. So, yeah, it used to be the old Hawthorne reception site in, um, at 555 Glen Ferry Road. So uh, Michael Wu, who's the, the, the childcare operator selling his portfolio, he bought that a couple of years ago and he built this three-level uh, child care centre with a 32-bay underground car park, and that, that one's expected to sell for more than $24 million. So, uh, again, it's got a 15-year lease, but I remember when I was looking at that ad going, geez, you, you could almost kick out the child care centre and turn it into an office building and you'd get more money 
<laughs> than 24 million for it, but uh, it could be a childcare in the area. Yeah, um, and also I think that um, with the new childcare centres, it's similar that uh, a lot of things are going that it's uh, more hotel-like or more exclusive in as far as the way it's decked out and that... Um, yeah. And uh, Instagrammable. <laughs> yes, yes, because obviously there's, um, you know, uh, they're going out for parents who can pick and choose now. My time when I was um, looking, you know, you were desperate just to get into a childcare centre, but it seems oh, really? that there's more options. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. I've, I've, I've come from an Italian household, so we sort of do everything possible to make sure that they don't go to childcare. <laughs> but um, all I should say that this generation is a bit different to the last. But, um, yeah, I understand there's a, a shortage of – I thought there was a shortage of supplies. Some of them look really, really exclusive. I wrote about one in South Melbourne a couple of months ago. I think they spent uh, $12 million on the fit-out. It was a three-level one. Uh, so obviously there's a market for exclusive mm, childcare centres yes. within, within that sector. So it's probably worth exploring a little bit more, actually. I'll talk to Senator Pluso about the story on that and, and the different grades of them and whether there's premium grade or A grade and what the pricing, what the pricing are, is. So yeah. um, that brings me into the hotel sector. So a bit oh, of movement there. Oh, there's been a lot happening with hotels. I think every every week or every fortnight, I seem to be writing about a new ho- a new hotel you're leasing something in Melbourne, often for the first time. So this this, this fortnight's been no different. So um, Melbourne Airport is uh, has kicked off construction of a dual branded ten level hotel, which will just be walking distance to um, Terminal. I think it is. So it will include 464 rooms total. Uh, some of them will be branded as a four-star Novotel. Um, some of them will be branded as a three-and-a-half-star Ibis brand. Um, so that should be due, I think, next year and have an end value of $163 million. Not that Melbourne Airport will be selling it. But, uh, yes, yeah, so there's a dual-branded hotel going up there. And also um, April Group, the, the France's April Group this month, um, committed to two hotels being developed by Brady Group in Melbourne. One of them is 203 to 207 Bridge Road in Richmond, so that one will capitalise on the, the Cremorne boom. Um, and the other one's in Ringwood, uh, in, in about 20 kilometres east of Melbourne. And that, that hotel will form part of a 16-level mixed-use building, which also includes apartments at uh, 301 Narunda Highway. So I uh, will do a roundup story um, before Christmas about the, the hoteliers that have come to Melbourne. There's been a lot that have, have, are setting up here for the first time, but um, I, I'd say we'd at least have a dozen to 20 years oh. hotels. Oh, I'm going back to Terminal 4. Oh, my gosh. I find it so hard. It's such a long walk when you say oh. Oh, Terminal 4. So <laughs> they really need a hotel there. They do need a hotel there. You should hang out more at Terminal 2, which is the uh, the international one. So I they, know, uh, I wish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just announced a couple of months ago, Melbourne Airport, the last couple of years have been really taking advantage of um, not only the airport, but also the land around it. So at, uh, a couple of months ago, we reported that the Melbourne Airport was extending a T2 international facility, the retail component. They're building a four-level extension uh, with 30 shops and new lounge space. And one of the interesting things in that press release was that it said that 18.5% of Melbourne Airport's revenue came from the retail rents within the complex. So I'll, um, I wanted to double-check that because it seems a bit high, but if that's incredible. If, and I guess, I mean, I guess the client's coming there, but that seems incredible that they derive so much from rent, so make, from retail rents. So it makes sense that they're extending T2. They've also... Um, the Essendon uh, Football Club rents its rents land owned by Melbourne Airport for its True Value Solar Centre. I think that they committed to a 15-year lease. The new there's also a new uh, urban surf. It's called it's like a uh, an inland surf surf park, and that recently opened on Melbourne Airport land as well. Plus, there's a heap of factories for uh, for logistics suppliers. So Melbourne Airport's making a lot of money now on its real estate. 
as well as uh, fees for us. And over the next 10 years, we're going to see a lot of change out there because I was uh, interviewing someone behind it and uh, they said it's going to be more of a destination. So therefore, when you've got a flight, you actually go out, say, an hour or um, two hours early and uh, there's just, you know, entertainment, um, you know, the offering is going to be spectacular because there's going to be an extra runway as well, which will just draw more people. That's right. Well, I can, yeah, I call my dad ahead of his time because I grew up near the airport. So every Saturday afternoon, he'd take my brother and myself over to the airport. We'd go and do some illegal driving in the back. That was how I learned how to drive before I had my L's. And then we'd go into the airport and he'd go and just watch the planes take off and my brother and I would go to do all the shops and we'd walk around and we had, we had a great afternoon every, every week. It was the best. It was awesome. So I'm not I'm not surprised now that uh, if there was a shopping centre there, mum, I think mum would have come along too. We would, would, have, would have been our regular. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I find myself passing the site a fair bit, so it's probably a good spot to put a shopping centre. We wouldn't be the first around the world. But um, I guess I have to start strategizing now to make sure that uh, one business doesn't compete with the other and it'll be interesting how it goes. Now, Mark, um, you've had a really busy week and we've got the weekend coming up. Uh, what's on for the weekend? Um, I'm not sure. I've got to do a little bit of car hunting. I, my, my, <laughs> I was T-boned last week, so my car was written off. So <laughs> I suddenly have to do a bit of car hunting, which, is, which, I, which I like doing. But uh, I might do a bit of that and uh, might try and catch up on some of the work that I've, I've got overdue and, uh, and just rest a bit. I have been out a lot. Yeah. How about why, you? Yeah, that's why, um, you know, we're doing it remotely today. We're, uh, so if anyone <laughs> notices any difference, you're not in the studio with me. We're uh, actually sitting in our respective uh, offices uh, on the computer with the advancement of technology. We are, we are, and I'm being a massive car snob because I'm refusing to drive this small hire car they've given me. Public transport. Like, yeah. All right. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Excellent. Speak next week. Bye. Okay. Bye.